I'm a wizard. I like protocol design, protocol architecture, and Bitcoin scaling in general, and privacy too.、Uh, and that's what I do. I like. I love crafting magic. And I'm assembling a team of cyberpunks, Bitcoin engineers, and devs to build the first implementation, Arc implementation. Arc solves a technical problem called inbound liquidity and introduces a business problem, capital. Arc uses ATLCs. It stands for Anchor Timeout Contracts versus HDLCs, Hash Dot Timeout Contracts, used on Lightning. Being able to transact value comes first. That's the basis, and privacy can come on layers above. That's what my thesis is. And Arc checks privacy and scalability at the same time. Theoretically, Arc can scale, scale great, scale in theory, maybe even onboard the whole planet, maybe. At least from the on-chain footprint standpoint, like the upper bound limit,、um, onboarding a whole planet, Arc service providers have no ability to steal your funds. Barack is the creator of Arc, a second-layer solution designed for scaling Bitcoin. In ways, it's inspired by elements of Bitcoin's base blockchain, the Lightning Network, eCash, and CoinJoins, and we got into all of the details of how Arc will work. During our conversation, if you enjoy this episode and if you learn something new from it, the best way you can show your support for the show is by sending in Sats over the Lightning Network. You can use any podcasting 2.0 app to do that. There are dozens of them out there, but my favorite one to use is Fountain. Before we get into today's show, just a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the premier provider of Bitcoin and Lightning node infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Stackwork, and Stackwork is a Lightning-powered transcription tool that takes the best of AIs and humans to create better, faster, and less expensive transcripts. We'll have more from Voltage and Stackwork later in the show. Barack, welcome to the show. I am so excited to learn more about Arc.、Uh, I first discovered what you were building a couple weeks ago in Austin. We were both at BTC Plus Plus. And there you revealed what would soon become Arc. It was named TBD XXX then, and、uh, as a placeholder. And、um, you know, I, I sat there and listened to it, and、uh, I thought it was a really interesting concept. But I have a lot of questions for you. Before、sure. we get into any of that, though, why don't you step back and tell people about your background in in your path to discovering Bitcoin and Lightning? Yeah, sure.、Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk more about Arc and maybe to address some of the questions you might have and you know some misconceptions. So maybe to give a bit of a story of myself,、um, I'm so my name is Brug. I'm also known as the distributor for Lindy and I'm also the creator for Arc.、Um, but、um, I started initially in Bitcoin like back in 2017, I think. Yeah, I remember like I seen a video online about mining and it, it got my interest. Just that、um, I was just so curious, like how you turn electricity into value and all that, and that's how I got into Bitcoin for the first time. And then over time, I sort of I started to research Lightning. I mean, Bitcoin deep down how Bitcoin works and all that. Because I initially also come from a technical background. I did some mobile programming in the past, and and so that yeah, I tried to sort of research Bitcoin how it works and all that. And I I started working on like a Bitcoin wallet, like an on-chain Bitcoin mobile wallet.、Uh, it was called Gatepay Wallet at the time, and I, I built it and shipped it. And then from there, it's been a long story, right? So from there, I think I realized at some point, okay. 
Bitcoin on-chain doesn't scale, right? And I told, I mean, Bitcoin doesn't scale, right? <laughs> Fundamentally constrained. I think it was around the time 2017, 2018, like the, the, the big block versus small block debates uh, stuff happening at the time. And then like, I, okay, I, I, I told Bitcoin would never scale. And Bitcoin, I mean, obviously it doesn't scale as it is. And I told it can only scale uh, on the base layer. I told. Um, and then I sort of ended up in the big blocker sort of camp for a while. Um, and then from there, you know, at some point, like a few, few years ago, I mean, I did some projects and sort of like pro projects, some pet projects on Bitcoin Cash for a while because Bitcoin Cash is like, as this is a forgot Bitcoin, but with additional opcodes and functionality stuff. Like, uh, but then, you know, at some point, I tried to build an AMM on Bitcoin Cash, but it, it turns out, it turned out, okay, it's not as expressive I need as, as expected, although it has some additional opcodes and uh, functionalities. And then I got introduced to Bitcoin, um, I mean, through Liquid. Uh, and I, my, I moved onto Liquid, like pivoting the AMM project into Liquid. It's called Bitmetrics. It's live on Liquid today. Um, so it's like a fully functional automated market maker on, built on Liquid. It's live. It's been there for about a year. Uh, and it took me two years. It was me and a friend of me working on it. Uh, it took me two years to, to build, ship the product. And it's like, uh, it's literally like a constant product market maker based on the UTXO model <laughs> built on covenants. So I did, I had um, two years long experience, uh, experience in building covenants, covenant R&D. Um, so, and based on my experience, based on what I learned on Liquid, um, based on my covenant research and development experience, I, I tried to do some sort of, I shifted my focus on the Bitcoin space, like I'm overall lightning Bitcoin only from Liquid um, to, to, to see what can I do with Bitcoin, like with covenants. Obviously, Bitcoin doesn't have covenants, but based on what I've learned, let's see what we can do on Bitcoin, Bitcoin only on the base layer or on lightning. And I started to, to learn, I mean, um, dig more deep, dig deeper into lightning, like lightning, how it works under the hood. Obviously, as someone who initially started on a big block, big blockers camp, I've had severe objections to lightning from inbound liquidity to offline receiving, right, to interactivity requirements and all that. Um, and I've had severe objections, but okay, let's give it one more try, lightning. And then, okay, I, I started to explore more in Lightning. And the more I explored, the more I realized, okay, some of my objections, you know, centered around the UX, you know, end user experience, are kind of addressable um, based on what I've learned on Liquid. Um, and I tried to, they're addressable potentially, right? Um, and then I wanted to, I started to work on, I decided to work on a new Lightning wallet. Um, and I, created a repo for it. I, I started putting together some specifications for the vault. Um, um, and it was based on some interesting ideas like uh, I've come up with, um, such as like uh, establishing channels one way only, like unidirectional instead of bidirectional so that you don't have to be online to to sign for channel breaches. Because when you, op when you operate channels one way only, state is always in your favor i.e. and obviously whenever you make a payment the idea was that um, you make a submarine swap out or from off-chain to on-chain and that swap becomes a channel non interactive channel on its own um and then i had this idea of the shared utxo model like let's be a bunch of submarine swaps yes and but it doesn't scale submarine swaps do not scale on chain um and that's typically what happens when you use like got onboard to lightning, right? When you when you're onboard to lightning, you receive a submarine swap, right? Um, 
But I mean, my vault idea is went a bit more extreme, right? Summary swap for everything. But um, but let's aggregate all these swap outs like in a shared GXL model. That that's kind of how Org started. Like, um, Org evolved from a UTX like a Lightning wallet idea to a distinct layer two protocol of its own. And like at some point, I realized what I'm working on Arc is not Lightning. It's a different kind of thing. Like it's like a rapid is a protocol for the rapid coin joins, but they're off chain. It's based on the UTXO model. It doesn't have inbound liquidity constraints and no nothing. I mean, I hopefully no interactivity requirements because it's not a channel design. It's not a state channel design. Unlike Lightning, I mean, the initial idea was to be Lightning mode. But uh, at some point, I realized, okay, I can strip out this channel port and let's just make them like it's still two of two, like a Lightning channel. But let's make it a v, like a UTXO, like a coin, like one-time use only coin. So the main difference is, I think I can give this analogy, right? Arc is similar to Lightning. Again, Arc has similarities to Lightning. It has similarities to on-chain to to side chains. But like Arc is similar to Lightning on that you have like a two of two, but it's not a channel. I mean, maybe to give this analogy, like give this anal giving this analogy makes sense. Like it's like a channel, like two of two channel, but like instead of signing a bunch of state updates from this channel, it's a two of two. Um, just just sign for one state update, just one, and that state update destroys that channel, and you destroy a channel that two of two to create a new channel. But that channel, the new channel, is also two of two, and it's also one time use only. So that whenever you make a payment, you push all channel liquidity into your channel partner site, um, one time use only and all of it. Um, and just like how UTXOs work, when you spend a UTXO, you destroy it, you destroy the whole entire funds held in that UTXO um, and you create new UTXOs. So it resembles the on-chain UX. So like, it's just like how on-chain funds flow on an on-chain wallet, like on an on-chain UX. It's similar, you destroy, coins and you create new coins, but it has also, these coins are also two of two, like Lightning, and you only sign one state update because it's a two of two, you co-sign, you collaboratively sign with your channel partner to do it. So it's similarities with Lightning on that, but think of it's like, again, Lightning channel with one time use only and you sign one state update to destroy it and to create a new one. And this entire sort of like payment schedule from sender to receiver is atomic. It's absolutely atomic. Mm -hmm. So that if there is a double spend in the mempool layer, like in the mempool level, uh, I get a refund. Like you cannot take my money if there is a double spend. Um, just like on-chain, like if you double spend a transaction in mempool today, um, you cannot receive and the recipient cannot receive it. I mean, the service provider in this case cannot take it, cannot steal funds. Uh, I get a refund. I receive a refund because it's not confirmed. I get my, sort of, so to speak, my UTXO was never spent in the first place because it was not confirmed. Um, so it has similarities with Lightning on that. Um, and things have evolved, yes. I've been working on this for about um, six months, more or less. And I've been researching Lightning for about a year, more or less. Um, and Orc, well, it's been constantly evolving. I've been constantly iterating the idea, uh, the design, the specs, um, it's, been, it's been constantly evolving. And at some point I realized org kind of seems optimal. Like now, I mean, the design I've ended up with, like the, the current design, the latest, it's, it seems optimal. Um, hmm. It's very optimal now because I've been constantly trading, addressing the edge cases and all that. 
the problems, like liquidity problems, and you know what happens in this sketch case if you go offline, and what happens if you're non-collaborative, non-responsive, and all that. So I've been trying to cover all edge cases and trying to optimize ORC for the best privacy preserving practices, like for the most optimal privacy too. Um, Very cool. Because we're, also, we're speaking in terms of scalability and privacy terms here. Like we have, it, our kind of has to check, it checks all boxes kind of. Um, there are some trade-offs obviously, we'll come to that. But um, it's, yeah. it's, it scales Bitcoin, but also it's it has a great, um, a decent level of receiver privacy at its Very core. Cool. That's awesome. So that's a great high level there. Um, I want to touch on something you mentioned at the beginning. You said at first you were part of this kind of big blocker camp yeah. and you managed to change your mind yeah. and then you kind of discovered liquid and then you discovered lightning. It seems like throughout your you know career in Bitcoin, you have changed your mind on a few different things and you've, yeah. you've managed to bounce between different ideas seamlessly Whereas I find that, that a, a lot of the crypto industry, a lot of the Bitcoin industry is very tribal. You get kind of sucked into an idea and that is your idea and you stick with it. And those are your people and you never change. And it's um, sometimes very hard for people to uh, okay. you know, recognize when an idea is no longer valid or you know, switch over to another idea. I want to get your sense for how you kind of built a mental framework to, to make that decision, you know, to change from the big blocker camp to, oh, here's this interesting thing you can do on Bitcoin. And, oh, now Liquid. Oh, now Lightning. Oh, now Arc. So, like, I'm, I'm in general, like, a skeptical person. I have the skeptical characteristics of me. Like, um, I've been always a skeptical, skeptical of Bitcoin in the first place when I met Bitcoin. I got interested in Bitcoin first, like, back in 2017. I've been a skeptical, right? Skeptic. Um, and then I, I moved into sort of big blocker sort of camp. I also been a skeptic about big blockers. Yeah, it's scales based there, but there are some trade-offs, obviously. And you can even also like, yeah, you can scale it a bit further, but there's some also trade-offs. Like it cannot scale infinitely, right? Indefinitely. And, like, and then I moved to big liquid stuff. And I, I've been also, I was also skeptical about liquid, right? Because it's, it's not perfect. It's a federated sidechain. And then I moved into Bitcoin, exploring the Lightning space, right? And I was also skeptical about Lightning. And then I moved on Arc, and my skepticism sort of turned me into uh, like the work on, like led me to work on Arc, Arc, and Arc building and contributing the specs and designing the idea of Arc. Um, and all these things in, in terms of like scalability, like how can this scale? Scaling comes first, and privacy next. So. Does Bitcoin on-chain scale? No. Um, on the base layer with, you know, if you increase the block size, yes, but it doesn't scale infinitely, right? It scales just more, but it cannot onboard the whole planet to it. And that's also what led me to move into Liquid. But the trade-off there is, again, it's federated, right? Um, and onto Lightning, yeah, it's great. It's, it's a scaling solution, right? But um, you cannot onboard the whole planet to it. It does a bit of a better, it does a great job in scaling. But it, it's not perfect enough. It's not enough to onboard the whole planet, right? And that I have this idea of onboarding the whole planet. I don't know. I have this idea. Uh, I'm, I'm dreaming of it. I, I, that's what my sort of goal is, like long-term vision is, like to onboarding the whole planet is a big challenge. I like challenges. And so it's a great challenge for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't see how Lightning can do it. Maybe we can come to it, come to that. Uh, but uh, Lightning cannot do it. Um, and Orc can hopefully do it. We have a chance at least with Orc. I'm also skeptical. But I'm I'm very confident uh, at the same time. Like I'm very confident that R can scale. 
uh, to at least theoretically scale, theoretically scale based on the design I have in my mind. And um, the design I'm reflecting to specifications and that I'm working on, I'm current, cu currently working on the specs, contributing the specs. I recently started working on it. But a theoretically, ARC can scale, scale great, scale in theory, maybe even onboard the whole planet, maybe, at least from the on-chain footprint standpoint, like the upper bound limit um, onboarding the whole planet uh, standpoint. Mm -hmm. Could also could may I mean may end up not scaling to whole planet, but at least scaling to a greater degree, right? Uh, right. Certainly does a great great job than lightning, and I think in the end it's going to be a spectrum probably like from custodians on one edge to non fully self custodial on the other edge. I mean in the middle spectrum of solutions protocols that fed them into, uh, you know I don't know liquid some federated sidechain stuff. We'll see. We'll mm -hmm. see how it end up, ends up. But I think we should give people an option, like a seamless frictionless option, because people are lazy. They crave for the best UX. And mm -hmm. I think, I believe, like, if it's not great enough, the UX and user, they just, they, just, they just use custodial services. And that's what we see. The trend we're seeing, well, Lightning, the, the challenges of, of Lightning incentivizes people to, to prefer custodial solutions over non-custodial. And, and Zaps, Nostra, they play, play a huge role in this, we're saying. And if, mm -hmm. my thesis is that if we make, uh, cut, like, the UX, custodial UX as frictionless and as seamless as non, a, a custodial UX, like Stripe, a Stripe or, you know, Vault of Satoshi, um, I think people can very well use a self-custodial mode in that case because there is no friction in mode. It's just just like a custodial UX, and you, yet you retain your keys and you yeah. retain your self-custody. So that's my thesis. I might be wrong on this. People might still prefer a custodial solution, but I think, I think yeah, I don't see a reason why why wouldn't I mean why would wouldn't they switch. Because it's as seamless as a custodial UX, but it's also self-custodial. It also you also have privacy benefits too. Mm -hmm. Ecash does it too. Like Xiaomi Ecash also has privacy benefits too. But I'm I'm just seeing I'm I'm also skeptical. Like is although art can work in my mind, like it can work, is it is it strong enough? Right, the network. I mean, is it um it does it really have the product market fit for people? Like people do really want self-custody. I know I'm a Bitcoiner. I'm I'm living in this bubble, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Twitter bubble, right? I'm surrounded by players, Bitcoiners, amazing, I love it. But um, obviously, Bitcoiners want this, right? Self custody. But I'm skeptical if do if people want this, right? Do they really want to retain their keys? I hope they do, and I'm working to give them an option, like people an option to self custody their Bitcoin. That's very cool. And I love that vision of, of trying to onboard everyone to Bitcoin mm -hmm. and trying all these different strategies to do it and coming up with this design as, you know, your best, you know, version of that, of that uh, vision. I, I want to touch on something you said uh, at the beginning there, you, you said, you know, first comes scalability, and then comes privacy. Yeah. Why yeah. is why are those two? Why do they come in that order? Yeah, I mean, scalability comes first, right? If I am not able to transact Bitcoin, what is the point of privacy in the first place? Like, if we are to trade off privacy versus scalability, I would personally rather scalability. We should be able to transact value, right? In you know, in consensus with others, um, we we transact value first, right? The settlement layer comes first, being able to transact, settle, 
the ability to transfer value from one entity to other, right? From one party to other without asking for a corporation, I mean, permission, uh, without requiring any trust, no trust involved. Being able to transact value comes first. That's the basis. And privacy can come on layers above. And that's what my thesis is. And ARC checks privacy and scalability at the same time. Checks kind of all boxes. Also the convenience of use. What comes after uh, privacy in that in that step phase? You know, first comes scalability, then comes privacy. What comes after that? Maybe like some use cases, some utility, like utilizing Bitcoin in some ways. I don't know. Maybe you can count this as DeFi. I don't know. I don't really care much about DeFi use cases, but from what I see, people, you know, if you have scalability, privacy, what would be the next? Maybe utility, utilizing Bitcoin in yeah. some degenerate use cases. I don't know. That's what people crave for, at least from what I see. This mm-hmm. app it has product market fit, right? Um, right. I'm not, I'm not working towards that goal, but um, but I think that comes next. But um, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, Oric moves Bitcoin, right? Um, and that's what it does. You can maybe do some asset issuance stuff like Terra does on Oric. Um, you know, some, I don't know, security tokens and stable coins and all that. You can do it technically, uh, but you can maybe also utilize. You can build some P2P trading between Bitcoin. Um, and I can see a way how to, you can do it. Like you can trade Bitcoin for fiat, like a, an issued asset on a protocol in ARC. Like these are like long-term extension, like visions, long-term extensions future extensions of work i mean hypothetically speaking can be deployed like asset issuance layer on top we can do it and in that case well you have a utility now you can trade value in between uh, maybe that might come next uh, but uh, we have to fix moving bitcoin first that's the priority right that makes sense okay so now we've danced around the topic of arc so far can you give listeners just a, a simple kind of like high-level explainer of ARC and how it compares to other kind of second layer or scaling solutions, because there are now a lot of them out there. Uh, We've touched on a few of them here. Where does ARC fit in, in the broader kind of like scaling ecosystem? Yeah, so like um, when you when, when when we look at Bitcoin today, like Lightning, I see is the only layer two we have, and I don't see a second. Some people say the state chains might also be a layer two, but to me, it's a very clear definition. Like a layer two, um, to me, the, the layer two definition is very clear. Like it's a it's a piece of different software. You transact Bitcoin off the chain without touching on chain, without polluting on chain, entirely off the chain on a second layer. Uh, yet you can exit, you can revert your money back to on-chain unilaterally, unilaterally, right? Without asking for permission uh, with, from anyone, you can, you can, you know, exit uh, the second layer. Um, um, and by that definition, I think Lightning is the only one we have on Bitcoin. Um, and Arc, hopefully, it, it will become, it will be the second, second alternative to Lightning. It's not competing with Lightning at all. It's a, it, it's, it addresses different, uh, like a, another problem. I, I think a Lightning, well, I mean, Lightning and Arc, they both move Bitcoin, but Lightning is better suited for vendors and, you know, Arc for end users. So the thing with Lightning, Lightning is a network of payment channels and it's constrained by the liquidity deployed on these channels. 
So you have this liquidity problem. So you have to, as an end user, like you have to take care of, you know, it's your burden to manage liquidity, making sure that you have enough inbound liquidity to receive. Um, and it's, it's a disaster UX for end users. End users just don't care. It just has to be frictionless, right? No friction involved. Um, but Lightning is great for vendors. If you're a vendor, again, like your cash inflows are predictable. You can acquire liquidity. You can run a specialized software like in your POS terminal or in, in you know, like something like a BTC based server. It's great. And you demand instant settlement. You don't want chargebacks. You don't want fraud, right? It's great. Lightning is great. On Arc, well, you don't have this channel management issues, no liquidity issues, no friction to onboarding. The entry barrier is, is seamless, right? Lightning has this entry barrier issue, also liquidity management issue, and merchants slash vendors can take care of it. That's great. It's a great solution for them. And that's what they demand, right? Instant settlement. On Oric, um, Oric has none of these issues, right? It's just like an on-chain wallet. You download a piece of software, Oric wallet, Oric client. It can be non-interactive, hopefully, with covenants. We'll come to that. But um, in an ideal world, it's a piece of software. It can be a web client or extension mode or mobile client. You just download a piece of software. You have an address, Bitcoin address, um, org address, or it's a public key. It's probably going to be an MPUB. You can pay, get paid from that address. You can pay to an address just like an on-chain wallet, no friction. You can receive when you're offline on the go. You can pay someone without, you know, assuming the recipient end has enough inbound liquidity. Without any second thought, you can transact Bitcoin, you can move Bitcoin. Also in a privacy-preserving way, but most importantly, in a convenient way. Um, that's what Arc does, and that's not what Lightning can do for end users. And for end users, it's a disaster. Like, especially like the initial onboarding phase, like how do I onboard to Lightning? What happens is I receive, I mean, most often with non-custodial self-claimed Lightning wallets, like that you receive a submarine swap in the first place, like when you onboard. But like that inherently doesn't scale. Submarine swaps by nature do not scale. Anything that hits the chain doesn't scale, including submarine swaps. And in fact, what marine swaps like, it's unpredictable what your liquidity, your, what your cash inflows will be, right? As an end user, it's unpredictable. For vendors, it is predictable. For end user, it's not. I sometimes receive zaps, sometimes like regular money transfers, sometimes, you know, remittances is highly unpredictable. And if I'm here to like, you know, from like Lightning user standpoint, like if I'm here to receive some money, I can only claim, right? I claim my need, my cash inflow of need to my channel partner and ask my channel partner to open an inbound channel to me, but I can only claim. So, but I cannot prove it. Like um, I cannot prove that I need it. Like I can't, it's a, it's a subject of denial of service. Like on Lightning, in order to receive, I need to ask someone to open a channel to me, but I cannot prove I need it. Um, on Arc, Liquidity, like liquidity, like I receive what sender wants to send, like just like on-chain, I receive what sender sends and liquidity for that is entirely utilized. Liquidity for that transaction is provided by the service provider and we call them org service providers and utility 100% there, like is 100% utilized. On Lightning, it may or may not be utilized. But a trade-off we have there, Lightning, funds in a Lightning channel can move move forever in that channel. So it's more efficient because Lightning channels are bi-directional. But here on Oric, it's one way only. And service providers, they have to contribute 
right? They have to contribute with their money, right? They have to provide liquidity on an ongoing basis and liquidity gets exhausted at some point because it's like a one-way only design. Um, so liquidity providers in this case, this is the main trade-off we have, right? Liquidity providers, they need to provide a lot of liquidity, like ideal 5, 10x more liquidity. I mean, liquidity requirements are like are extreme compared to Lightning, but that's the main trade-off. But I'm very happy with this trade-off because on Lightning, like you're a channel partner and you have a channel partner, right? You're, yeah, and you're equally responsible for the management of this channel, which is a disaster for the end user. On Arc, we all, it's like a channel too, like kind of, I don't like this analogy though, like, but you know, it's me and my channel partner. My channel partner in this case is the Arc service provider. It's like a channel, Coin, the VTXO is a channel tool too, but I'm not responsible for anything. My channel partner takes care of me, takes care of everything for me, the liquidity. So it offloads complexity from the end user into the service provider. Yet I retain my self custody. Um, so that's what what's magical about Oric. It offloads complexity. So service providers job is 10x more difficult, but my and as an end user, like as the end user entity, like me, I I I'm I don't have any friction. I don't mm. have any burden. So there is a trade-off, right? But um the trade-off favors me. The trade-off is in favor of me, the end user. And the end user matters, right? We, we plebs, end users matter, right? Um, for vendors, it's great. They can take care of it. They can take care of their needs. Uh, but end users, um, my service providers, someone else should be taking care of it. And Arc and Lightning, and Arc and Lightning are, are interoperable. So I can use Arc to send money for regular money transfers. And obviously, Arc is not as instant as Lightning today. So that's the main trade-off. Um, the other trade-off is liquidity, like uh, capital. Capital. So capital requirements is one trade-off. The other one is Arc payments are not as instant as Lightning. But there are two bots. Um, it's not as instant as Lightning, yes. But on Lightning... In order for it to be instant, you have to have enough inbound liquidity anyway, which doesn't scale anyway, right? So you have, if you have enough inbound liquidity, which is a big if, it is instant, yes, but you are likely not going to have it because it doesn't scale to a planetary level. Inbound liquidity doesn't scale to a planetary level. Talking about at a large scale, it might scale today, okay, but not in a large scale, right? Um, on Arc. It's not as instant as Lightning. We don't have inbound liquidity. Um, but funds are, like, when you receive a payment, it's not confirmed, right? And you have to ideally wait for confirmations, on-chain confirmations, right? In order to consider, quote-unquote, final, that payment. Um, just like an on-chain wallet. Uh, however, there is a but, right? But you don't have to wait to spend it. Org has immediate availability with delayed finality. So when mm. I receive some money on Org, yes, I should wait confirmations to spend it, to consider it final, but I can spend it. 
and spending comes in two forms, right? I can either make an internal transfer, meaning I can hand over my VTXO to someone, just like how we can chain unconfirmed transactions in Mempool and Bitcoin, I can chain VTXOs unconfirmed on Mempool, just like that. Or I can pay Lightning invoices with my VTXOs, my ARC funds. So I have an ARC wallet. It's a piece of interactive software, non-interactive software. I receive a payment. It's not confirmed, right? It's in the mempool. It sits in the mempool. But I don't have to wait to spend it on Lightning. I can just go to Starbucks and El Salvador and McDonald's and just can, can pay Lightning invoice with the funds unconfirmed, like my, with my unconfirmed funds. I can pay Lightning invoice through my service provider. Because the service provider is a 12-2, right? My coins, my, my funds are 12-2 between me and the service provider. And because I'm routing payment through my service provider, it is a food count for service provider to double spend it. Because when I pay lightning invoice, it's already gone, right? The funds I receive, funds I'm about to receive, about to be confirmed, are gone already. I, I paid an invoice. Um, so in the happy case, in the collaborative case, it works just seamless. I don't have to wait to spend um, funds. So that's what like that that's what Arc is good at. Like it has immediate availability on Mempool, but with delayed finality. Yet I can spend it um, on Lightning. Well, it's not quite the same. Like assuming you don't have you have enough inbound liquidity, great. But it's a big assumption. But if you don't, it's even worse. If you don't have enough inbound liquidity on Arc. So on Lightning, sorry, if you don't have enough inbound liquidity on Lightning and you are to receive a payment, you receive a submarine swap. And that submarine swap becomes, can you can make it another Lightning channel. But because it's unconfirmed, you cannot spend them, spend that channel funds because it's not confirmed. Because when you, because if you don't consider, like, because if you don't wait for that channel to confirm, and reveal your pre-image from the sender, like you create your pre-image and you receive a payment from the sender um, to a channel, which forms a channel, submarine swap channel. And I have a pre-image. If I reveal my pre-image before that channel confirms and I reveal it to spend them, spend the funds in that channel, the service, like a swap service provider in this case, can double spend that channel yet takes sender's money because I revealed my pre-image. So that swap service providers on the Lightning case, in, the, in case where you don't have enough inbound liquidity and you want to receive a payment to spend it further, it doesn't work because you reveal your pre-image, service provider can take receive, receive, you know, receiver's money in flight HDLC between the sender and the service provider. Um, yet double spans the channel to So on ORC, it's not a case. ORC uses ATLCs. It stands for anchor timeline contracts versus HDLCs, hashtag timeline contracts used on Lightning. ATLCs versus ATLCs, um, HDLCs, or even PTLCs, right? H HDLCs are the absolute force. PTLCs is an improvement to that. But whether it's HDLCs or PTLCs, right? Used on Lightning. I mean, PTLCs are not, is a proposal, it's being, it's on the making. But um, 
whether it's HDLCs or PTLCs, you are still constrained by liquidity deployed on your channel. Um, and it's not absolute atomic. HDLCs and PTSs are not absolute atomic. And what I mean by absolute atomicity on the ORC, ATLCs with ATLCs on ORC, when you receive a payment, and if there is a double spend, just like a double spend in the Lightning Channel case, like submarine swap case, there is a double spend. And double spend in this case is the coin join transaction on ORC. Um, the, the sender cannot take senders, I mean, the service provider cannot take sender's money, uh, sender, sender receives a refund because a double spend attempt on ARC breaks the atomicity entirely. And this is a mempool level double spend. If things are confirmed, then no problem. You can receive payments on the go. It will be confirmed when you're back. But if you assuming you are online, you're receiving a payment from someone to pay to someone else, i.e. handing over coins on the mempool, um, on the ARC, if service provider double spends that coin join, the pool transaction, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a buzzword, right? It's, I mean, coin the pool transaction is an arc term. It's also the coin join transaction itself. Um, it, it breaks the atomicity. Um, and if there is double spend, receiver gets a refund. Like a service provider cannot take receiver's money. Unlike on submarine swaps on ORIC, off-chain to on-chain submarine swaps, because I reveal my pre-image for an unconfirmed transaction, from unconfirmed HDLC, right? Send, the service provider can take sender's money, can steal sender's money. But on ORIC, it's not quite the case. It's atomic, absolute atomic. We ensure absolute atomicity. Um, and that, that's how you can hand over coins in the mempool on an ongoing basis and pay invoices to pay lightning invoices. Very interesting. Now, why would someone want to be a service provider on ARC? Yeah, so ARC is a liquidity protocol, just like Lightning. So ARC has, again, similarities with Lightning, right? They're both liquidity protocols. Liquidity requirements like capital allocation, capital requirements are higher, extremely higher compared to Lightning. That's the second sort of trade-off, right? The main trade-off being not, not, not being as instant as Lightning, second trade of being um, capital requirements, but that's not an end user trade-off. That is a service provider trade-off. That is their concern. It's a business problem. It's not the end user's concern, right? Um, the service provider, they provide liquidity to protocol and they provide liquidity to fund these pool transactions and pool transaction is the coin join transaction. On ARC, every payment takes place in a coin join. Uh, maybe I have to clarify that, right? So it's a coin join protocol. It's a rapid coin join protocol. And you make a payment in a coin join in a footprint minimal way. So that's what ARC is. And then you have a new coin join session in a very frequent intervals, i.e. in every five seconds. And the service provider is the blinded coordinator of that coin join round. And the service provider creates a new coin join session in very rapid intervals, like in every five seconds, i.e., oh, this is configurable by them. Just, 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 just to think, it's to, to keep things simple. In five seconds, let's say. Um, and then when I make a payment, I join a coin join. I register my inputs, uh, you know, coins and the coins that I'm creating for the intended recipient, and then I sign it. And then you have a new session in every five seconds. And then a service provider provides liquidity to these coin join transactions. 
So typically an on-chain coin join has like hundreds of inputs and in theory can be thousands of inputs and thousands of outputs, right? On Arc, it's not that ca- it's not the case. On Arc, a coin join, an Arc coin join is just one input, one, one output. That one input is provided by the service provider, right? Service providers provide liquidity to coin join transaction with their own on-chain inputs. They provide inputs to fund the shared UTXO. There is one output, and that's the shared UTXO, right? And that shared UTXO contains virtual transaction outputs of all recipients of that particular coin join realm in a shared UTXO. Um, so that, yes, you have to provide liquidity in every five seconds on an ongoing basis. And in fact, you lock up your liquidity in that shared UTXO for four weeks. So the requirement is that you have to provide liquidity. You lock up liquidity for four weeks and you do it in every five seconds until four week expires or until the four week is over. So you have to constantly lock up liquidity for four total weeks. And the capital requirements are extremely high and compared to lightning because on lightning it's bi-directional. You move funds forever here. It's an ongoing basis one way only. Um, but that is not that is not my concern as an end user. Like it is a service provider concern. So Arc solves a technical problem called inbound liquidity and introduces a business problem, capital. Mm-hmm. One is not addressable from what I can tell from from my experience. Lightning inbound liquidity is a flaw. Like it is not addressable. There are things you can do to improve on that inbound liquidity. You can improve it, certainly, but you cannot address that. And it's an issue. It's like a flaw, a flaw as in for end users, not for vendors. And that's what Arc solves. Arc solves a technical problem, inbound liquidity. Mm-hmm. Yet you have a problem capital and just like lsps right you also lsps also have capital requirements but here it's more extreme for the service providers and it's not my concern it's the service provider concern it's a free market uh, they'll be allocating liquidity providing service they charge liquidity fees just like lightning it's configurable it could be 10 basis points 50 100 is configurable by them so there will be many competing service providers on arc I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage empowers engineers to integrate Bitcoin and Lightning Network payments into their business stack with an enterprise-grade experience. The team at Voltage is building the complete tool set so that you can do more than simply spin up nodes, but also understand and interpret your nodes' data. Their new product, Surge, gives engineers the capability to quickly solve problems and optimize operations. With node insights and visibility through time series data, you get dynamic and complex insights never available before. You can get complete control with insanely fast onboarding, advanced client-side encryption, and zero management infrastructure, making backups, networking, and upgrades simple. Get a free seven-day trial today at Voltage.cloud. Do you expect that the service providers on Arc will be earning a different amount over time? If we, if we just kind of branch out and look, look long-term here. Um, Lightning service providers and Arc service providers, 
Will they earn roughly the same for the liquidity they provide or will there be differences in your view? I think it will be very similar, but obviously our could be a bit higher because of the intensity of capital requirements. It could be higher, it could be not. Well, time will tell, really. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a free market, right? Uh, can Service providers can't have their own custom uh, fee tiers and they'll be competing with others. But in theory, it is a liquidity protocol like Lightning and they charge liquidity fees for the service they provide. On Lightning, LSPs charge liquidity fees for the routing service they provide. On Auric, ASPs charge liquidity fees for the coin join service, blinded coin join service they provide uh, with their own liquidity. I see. It's a percentage-based based charge, just like Lightning. Right. Okay, so now I want to touch on this, this topic of service provider. Because when you, you look out at the landscape of Bitcoin scaling solutions, uh, there's a lot of various um, words used to describe service providers in different protocols. For example, state chains have coordinators, uh, side chains may have a federation. Um, we've talked about ARC service providers and Lightning service providers. How do you... Can you can you go through the trust trade-offs in in each of these examples and talk about you know whether or not a service provider is the, the, the role the service provider is actually playing in the protocol and what trade-offs a user needs to know mm -hmm. um, specifically as it pertains to things like state chain coordinators and side chain federations and you know yeah. how that compares to ARC. Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah, that's a good one. And unfortunately, there has been some misconceptions in the community, like claiming ARC is not trustless. No, it is trustless. It is a distinct layer too with unilateral exit. You can exit if you want to, if something goes wrong on a second layer. So it is a trustless protocol, just like Lightning. It is a distinct layer too, just like Lightning with unilateral exit. Just and so your service provider on ARC has no ability to hold on to your funds? They have no ability. They have zero ability to seal your Bitcoin. They can, in theory, double spend these coin joins in the mempool level. Yes, yeah, that's why you should wait for confirmations, but you don't have to wait for confirmations to spend them, right? Whether it's Lightning or an internal transfer. Um, and once it's confirmed... Once the pool transaction is confirmed, it's yours. ASP, the service provider, can no longer spend it, like steal it. It's confirmed, it's there, it's yours, it belongs to you. Um, it is yours. ASPs have, they have no ability to steal yours. And if something goes wrong, you can revert your money back to on chain by triggering unilateral closure. Um, and I don't see any differences between LSPs and ASPs. It's the same trade-off model, LSPs and ASPs. In fact, ASPs are even better because of the privacy benefits you have. LSPs, they can extract the payment link from sender to, to recipient. Even with things like blinded paths, hubs in the middle, they can call you to extract payment info because the payment online, they're linked through like a bold 11 hash along the rail. And they can collude, they can comply with OFAC or whatever. They can collude to extract your info from the sender end to the recipient end. On Auric, on Lightning, 
they can do it. On Arc, on Arc no. It's a coin join. There is no way telling. Like, there is no way to link sender and recipient in a coin join. Arc is an off-chain coin join protocol. Um, but in terms of the trust model, they are the same. LSPs and ASPs are the literal same. Mid, you know, LSPs and ASPs, they, they, can, they can neither sell Bitcoin nor sort of inflate Bitcoin, right? Um, the Lightning and Arc, they both rely on the base layer and it's auditable, right? Um, they cannot steal Bitcoin. Your Bitcoins are secured by the Bitcoin script, right? Bitcoin script grants you the permission, right? To access your funds if something goes wrong. On Lightning and on Arc, and Arc has, and Lightning has similarities on that in terms of the unilateral closure, like the, like the, like forced closures on Lightning, the unilateral closures on Arc are similar. Or LSPs and ASPs, they're, it's, it's both hub and spoke model, right? And obviously we're seeing Lightning is trending towards a more centralized approach, LSPs, right? Um, well, also single sort of like single entity routers can also censor you, blacklist you. Same trade-off goes here too. In fact, I think like if we're not here to federate them, like we can federate LSPs and ASPs, and if we make federate them, right, it becomes it must become more it becomes more robust, right? It becomes harder to be captured by state. But that's an off-topic. I think that's another category like topic to discuss. But LSPs and ASPs, they're both hubs. It's a hub and spoke model. They're both hubs. They both provide liquidity. And they both cannot steal your Bitcoin. And but how does that compare to to state chains, uh, side chains, yeah, things like that? Yeah, is different. So side chains depends on what kind of side chains you're using. So on Bitcoin, we have two side chains, Liquid and RSK. RSK is merge mined, and I think it shares like two or three percent of hash rate, so it's not quite secure, right? So two or three hundred hash rate can call you to steal your funds, like hash mining hash rate. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think that's from what I've heard. On Liquid, on the other hand, it's a trustless, sorry, it's a federated sidechain, right? It's 11 out of Miltisic geographically distributed uh, federation members, and they can call you and steal a Bitcoin too. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if we have a trustless Tulipx sidechain with simplicity at some point, because in simplicity, we can do a ZKP verifier and we can do a cool bunch of other cool stuff. But, um, we don't have it. We don't, we're not there yet, right? So sidechains are not trustless. Um, Fediment is not trustless. Gateway can rock pull you. They can steal a Bitcoin. State chain too. State chains are also trustless. Trust, trustless. Uh, central coordinator, aka the state chain coordinator, can steal your money in collaboration with a previous state owner. Because state chain is a state design, like state channel design, like mining. We also have states, like you sign channel states, like you sign states, right? Um, and a previous state owner, right? The owner of the state, like the coin ownership changes in every state and a previous owner can collude with the coordinator to steal money, to steal that fund from the current, from the current owner of that, of that UTX, of the fund, of the Bitcoin funds. This is not the case on ARC. Arc service providers have no ability to steal your funds. I see. Um, okay, I want to talk a little bit more about the scalability of Arc. Can you talk to me about the 
on-chain footprint of Arc? And maybe again, in the context of some of these other scaling solutions we've discussed. Sure. So on-chain footprint, Arc does a great job, as a great job compared to Lightning on-chain footprint-wise. Lightning is a layer two, heavily reliant on the base layer to operate. You have to open channels to onboard and you have to close channels very often, right, to operate. Um, um, in the middle, yeah, in between it's okay, but you have to touch the chain very often uh, for Lightning to work. On Arc, it's not the case. You can acquire, like, you pollute on chain only when you do peg ins and peg outs. And I like Arc, the sidechain analogy for Arc, because Arc is kind of like a trustless two way peg sidechain. You know, we can like we can create analogies between Lightning Org and you know, like we can give analogies to Lightning, like we can we can resemble Lightning with Org or you know on chain or you know, uh, you know coin joins or even I don't know maybe even state chains. There's some similarities, but you know Lightning, the friction to onboarding and also the footprint, right? The footprint. It doesn't, I mean, the onboarding lining, opening channels, or closing them, it inherently doesn't scale. With things like channel factories and mul like multi-party channels, maybe, or, or coin pools, like you can batch channels in one mutex. So yes, you can do it. But the problem is closing them. Like, how do you close them? And when you close channel, you have to reveal that channel from the shared UTXO. And that itself doesn't scale, right? Thinking at a mainstream adoption scale, right? On a global scale, right? It doesn't scale. Bitcoin base layer have no ability as they cannot accommodate channel closings, right? At a global scale. Uh, that's what Arc solves, right? Arc, well, you can batch channels in Lightning too. In Arc too, you can batch VTXOs and a shared UTXO, very similar. But its closing port is what marks magical, because because Oric operates one way only, i.e., you distribute coins, you create new coins like one way only, um, and because it's a shared UTXO model, we have a bunch of virtual UTXOs they nested under a shared UTXO. Um, um, we don't have to reveal channels AK in our context virtual UTXOs from the virtual UTXO, from the shared UTXO to claim them. Um, because they are one way only and they when you spend them, I mean when you redeem them, like eCash, short-lived eCash nodes. I like this analogy though, like virtual UTXOs are analogous to eCash nodes. When you have an eCash node, you can redeem it to pay lightning invoice, right? Or you can do an internal transfer in eCash. You redeem a node, you create a new node. On Arc is the same, like virtual ETXs are similar to eCash nodes, but they're short-lived. They expire after four weeks. You redeem them you to create new ones, or you redeem them, like you redeem a virtual ETXO to pay lightning invoice. It's very similar. And because we give them an expiry, expiry of four weeks, right? A VTXO expires after four weeks. VTXLs, 
virtual UTXOs, under a shared UTXO, they all expire after four weeks. And we assume users to spend their VTXOs in this time frame. We expect all intended recipients of all VTXOs under a shared UTXO to be spent, claimed, redeemed, redeemed in this time frame in a coin in a subsequent coin join transaction uh, in this four week time frame. And when you think about it, if all VTXOs under a shared UTXO or claim under spent liquidity is sort of on the service provider's end. It's like a like a one one it's like a single hop payment. It's me, I'm the sender, the service provider in the middle, hop, and the the, the recipient, it's like a one hop payment, single hop payment. I, I push my liquidity into service provider, service provider push liquidity recipient in. And I push my liquidity service provider um, in an off-chain transaction. I'm not diving deep into details, but um, I redeem VTXL, and that redemption uh, gives the ownership of that VTXO, a whole VTXO, entire funds in that VTXO to the service provider. So that service provider can push their own on-chain funds into a shared VTXO, a shared VTXO that contains um, VTXO of my intended recipient. And this entire thing, like schedule, payment schedule from sender to the recipient is atomic in nature. And a double spend attempt, as I said, for the coin join transaction breaks the atomicity uh, of the payment schedule. Um, I see. This is really interesting. You, it seems like you're inheriting a lot of properties from a lot of different protocols. And you're, you've, you've talked about how it's similar to Bitcoin, similar to Lightning, CoinJoins, uh, eCash. Uh, there's, there's elements of different protocols all embedded in ARC. Do you expect that there will be more iterations from other builders coming up with new protocols that also combine other existing protocols into one like is, is this something you is this is arc designed to be the you know protocol that takes you know bitcoin to global adoption or is this the beginning of many people coming in building out many different protocols that combine many other protocols can i be honest i yeah. don't think you can do it i think maybe i'm biased but i'm very confident that arc is the most optimal version of how it can, uh, how a shared DTXO model can be. It's the most optimal version. I think I've been working on this for six months and it's been constantly evolving. I've been constantly iterating the idea and I am very confident it's the most optimal version. Like Auric is as great as it is and I don't see, I know the design space is too large, I agree, but Auric in my opinion, maybe a biased opinion is the most optimal version as it can have, like as it can, as a shared YouTube someone can get, mm. uh, to be honest. Like, I, don't see, I don't see how you can improve on that because it scales Bitcoin in a privacy preserving way. And that's all we need now. Like that's, that's what worked does already. It scales Bitcoin in a privacy preserving way. It's what it's, it, it's what it is. It's what it does, right? Um, mm -hmm. And like, what, what an iteration can be from here? 
there could be improvements, yes, but uh, I don't see like a, like a, like a major iteration from the overall design. I can't. Fair enough. That. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, as as the creator of the protocol, I think it's important that you do have that view. You know, if you didn't have that view, I'd be concerned that you know why are you building it if you didn't believe in it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to talk next about adoption and what happens from here because you're you're working on building this. It, it eventually comes out to the world, and you have now a task of getting the world to use it. And it's a challenge, and it's a it's a different challenge. Yeah. Um, not so much a technical one sometimes, but sometimes it's a psychological one. Sometimes it's uh, it, you know getting people excited about a protocol. It's it's a hard and a different challenge to face. Um, what does the path look like for Arc to actually get people on board using this um, when you have so many other competing protocols that are you know raising a lot of money or have you know I look at Lightning and I see a lot of implementations that are either VC backed or tied to large corporations. I see other I, I see Fetty just raised a, a, a really large round to you know bring their vision to life. Is it does Arc take this VC approach to growing uh, this protocol? How do you scale amidst all this competition? So yeah, um, first of all, like I I am skeptical that Oric is getting mainstream adoption. I'm very skeptical. I'm skeptical of everything. Oric is a superior piece of tech. It scales Bitcoin and a privacy preserving way. I'm super confident about it. But um, we have this assumption, right? As as a developer, right? A wizard, right? We are assuming that it's gonna, it's it will be, it is getting adopted, right? It will be adopted at some point, but it's a big assumption. It may not end up getting adapted. We don't know it. We don't know if Arc or a self-custodial solution of any kind has a product market fit for users, and users may may just not care about self-custody. We don't know. Is org really meaningful enough for people that that? I don't know. Time will tell, really. But I I love this. I love challenges, right? I mean, when building Bitmetrics on Liquid, uh, I didn't care about the product market fit, really. And it turns out it didn't have product market fit. I mean, Liquid in general seems to be failure so far. No one uses it. But like, it was a challenge for me, right? Like building an automated market maker based on the UTXO model. It was a challenge for me. And I rather fulfillment versus success. I felt fulfilled when I built, shipped an AMM, like a DeFi primitive on Liquid. I was fulfilled, but it wasn't successful. It didn't succeed, but I feel fulfilled. Same goes to Arc. Arc may not succeed because we don't know if people cares. <laughs> a self-custody mm -hmm. solution, right? It's a big assumption. May not get adapted. People may, might just be fine with Strike. Vault of Satoshi or Bitcoin Beach Wallet, you might just be fine with it. I don't know. It's a big assumption, but um, it's a big challenge for me. I'm into. I'm very interested in Oric because it's a superior piece of tech, and I have high confidence. It's it will work, and it's a superior piece of tech. Um, and it's a challenge for me. It has been a challenge for me to scale Bitcoin. Really scaling Bitcoin. That's what I've been dreaming of since the very early days. Um, and like, I am here for the challenge, right? I cannot tell if it's, get, if it's getting adopted or not, really. And obviously, we see approach, 
Um, so Orc is an open protocol. I'll be contributing to protocol specs in, in the next few months. I'm currently very, I'm tied up. I'm lately tied up with answering questions and, you know, addressing questions and mailing lists and on the Telegram, we have a Telegram community group and all that. And the next, my, my next phase is going to be contributing to protocol specs. Uh, we have a GitHub repo already, Arc Network. Um, you can feel free to check it out. Uh, I'll be contributing to specs. We have BOTS. It stands for Basis of Arc Technology. <laughs> it's also in line with the North uh, Arc story. Um, you know, in Lightning, we have BOTS, Basis of Lightning Technology. Um, and I'll be contributing to them. Anyone feel free to contribute contribute obviously but um, obviously you have to understand deep down how arc works before contributing it's going to take time there is a bit of a learning curve there yes um but i mean my goal is to really build an infrastructure company for arc to i'm assembling a team of bitcoin devs engineers cyberfunks i don't qualify i don't i don't qualify myself as a software engineer quite really I, i'm not a cyberfunk i'm a wizard a Bitcoin wizard. I mean, I, I'm I'm confident with this title more. I'm a Bitcoin wizard. I self-identified as a wizard, not a cyberfunk. I'm not quite a programmer myself, although I did some programming in the past. But that's not my strong sort of strong skill set. No, um, I'm a wizard. I like protocol design, protocol architecture, and Bitcoin scaling in general and privacy too. Uh, and that's what I do. I like I love crafting magic. And I'm assembling a team of cyberfunks, Bitcoin engineers, and DAOs to build the first implementation or implementation. Uh, we'll do some prototyping first, whether it's on Liquid or Signet Inquisition or MediaNet or Testnet. We'll do some prototyping. We're trying to figure out what to do prototyping first, but um, we'll do some prototyping. I think it's fair to expect a prototype, like a fully functional prototype, like a POC level, uh, sometime this year. Uh, either on Liquid or an Inquisition. Uh, we are trying to figure that out yet again. Um, and I'll be planning to create a company, like kind of like Arc Labs, similar to Lightning Labs. Um, I'll be individually contributing the specs, yes. Anyone is free, free to build their own implementation in line with the protocol specs, both. Me, as personally, I will be creating a company for it too. Like, uh, Arc Labs to build a key infrastructure for Arc, the client, the CLI, uh, like a user preferred interface where you can reference to, uh, to if you're building your own client implementation, dev tooling, SDKs, and all that resources. Uh, my goal is to create a company, like this is more like a mid long-term vision to create a company to build the key, key Arc infrastructure. Very cool. And now, you know, in, in the topic of like building out a company, uh, this company, especially if you're comparing to something like Lightning Labs, uh, where it's VC funded, there's an expectation down the road of like a future return. Yeah. How do you square that with the mm -hmm. ARC vision? Yeah. So uh, I think infrastructure companies are inherently monetizable. I'm not sure how Blockstream is profitable or even Lightning Labs. I have no idea. For ARC, I think it's going to be, you know, we'll be building dev tooling around it and some sort of APIs like. I don't know I have like some also this asset issuance vision on top um, and like building dev tooling and SDKs and all that. And I think these things are inherently monetizable and monetizable in terms of devs. I see. Okay. Um, and now, you know, in, if you look out into the next few years, like you, you're building out this company, you're assembling a team, 
whose job is it to bring in actual users? Is this going to be a job that Arc Labs fulfills? Or is this something that you know you expect other companies to come into the ecosystem and spur on adoption um, as well? Yeah, so I believe in this, like if a product has its product market fit, there is no need for a market push, no nothing. It will figure itself out, right? Uh, market, it will organically grow, will organically, organically acquire its own user base, right? So that there is no need for pushing from our end. It's just gonna organically grow, will contribute to software, right? Will contribute to clients, software, dev tooling with a focus on devs, yes. Um, and it will organically grow from there. Um, hopefully it has its product market fit. Um, the market will, will, will figure out the rest. But surely there must be value to accelerating that, right? Like if you look at the, the world of tech and you look at all the companies that exist today, uh, many of which have product market fit, basically all of them still spend on marketing and growth and they kind of yeah. try to add fuel to that fire. Um, and so I, I think about your vision of bringing all the people onto Arc or, you know, accelerating Bitcoin adoption. And I think, you know, how do you do that organically and just kind of let that take care of itself, you know, when, when there's so much precedent for companies taking the approach of spending money, getting awareness uh, through paid marketing and growth to try and accelerate their, their project's vision? Yeah, I think I'm aware of that, right? People, some companies with product market fits also trying to push some agenda, some marketing effort. Yeah, same can go to here too. Not like saying not. Maybe like one way of doing it like is like supporting devs, like third-party devs building on Oric, shipping their wallets, clients, use cases, apps on top of Oric, supporting them in some meaningful ways, whether it's financial or, or not. Supporting devs and dev adoption um, could lead to mainstream adoption. That That's one way to look at it, I think. Interesting. Now you you released or announced Arc uh, a few weeks back, and you've kind of gone on this tour a little bit. You went to the Bitcoin uh, conference and you spoke about it there. What what feedback have you gotten from the community in the last few weeks, um, and has any of it kind of changed your vision or views on on the protocol's design? Yeah, so people from what I see are excited about or equally skeptical, which is great. This is the way. Um, now I'm trying to kind of address these questions. People are getting more and more familiar over time with Arc. That's great. Um, addressing your questions, apparently doing a good job. Initially, I think I did a terrible job, though, communicating Arc with the broader community. I'm not a great communicator. I never claim to be, but... um. But I'm um, trying to communicate, address problems, sort of address some misconceptions and, and all that. And people so far seem to be excited uh, and skeptical too. And I'm trying to address the skepticism. Um, Oric, while some people may claim it's a vaporware, but it's not. It's an idea. I speak with my experience, with my covenant experience. Um, and it's an idea I'll be, I'll be working more on sort of making the specs obviously contributing aspects and also we also have like a website deep dive explainer uh making it more comprehensive adding more examples and all that um well so far like we've got some examples like like a one-page explainer a brief like a like brief one-pager explainer and deep down like technical explainer um also we have like on the mailing list we have some flows user flows from alice to bob 
uh, feel free to check them out, guys. But from the feedback I get, I couldn't find a single person, like a wizard, Bitcoin wizard, sort of invalidating my point. The arc, like arc design, like edge cases. Like I couldn't find any. That's why I can tell. But people are very excited. Like Bitcoin people, like in the Bitcoin community, well, you might see it on the Bitcoin Twitter, right? People are excited. But also technical people in the Bitcoin technical community, they are also very excited about it. Uh, that's from what I can tell. And I haven't seen like a single sort of like invalidating, in, invalidation, like invalidating point that ARC can fail, ARC may not work, or ARC is a flaw of design. I haven't seen it yet. And I'm very confident we, we will never see it. Interesting. You've used the word Bitcoin wizard a few wizard. times here. <laughs> I, I want to get an understanding. What is a Bitcoin wizard? And you've, you mentioned, you know, trying to attract more cyberpunks and Bitcoin wizards to your, your mission. How do you, how do you plan to kind of attract these Bitcoin wizards to build on ARC? I think yeah, ARC is a superior design of its own. It's obvious to me. It's a superior piece of tech. As, again, it's superior in my opinion. Like I cannot be modest, like just biased, but it's superior tech and Cyberpunks are smart, right? They are attracted to smart ideas, especially if it's privacy preserving. And yet it is self-custodial. They are attracted. It's not too hard to, to get their got their interest, right? Um, and that's what I see so far. People are excited to contribute to ARC. I'm currently ex ex you know, assembling a theme. You know, there is a saying like, you need less generals, more soldiers. And cyberpunks are like soldiers and wizards, wizards are like this, this generals, like, Wizards craft magic, and they sort of do the like the protocol design architect, and, and the cyberpunks write the actual ship the actual shit right. And they write the actual implementation, and that this is how I see it. Mm, that's interesting, and I think it takes someone who's deep in the weeds to understand the difference there. Because to me, I look at this on the outside, and I see everyone building, writing code in in any capacity. I look at as coder, and I I say, okay, everyone's they're they're all a class of their own, and but you you see differences between the you know protocol design and the actual shipment of code. Yeah, I guess um, separate them. I'm in favor of separating them. There are two different expertise, two different sort of galaxies. Do we well, have enough people working in both of those camps in the I Bitcoin and Lightning and Arc ecosystem today? Yeah, I think overall no. I mean, we I think obviously need more builders. Though to be honest, we need more cyberpunks than wizards. I think we have enough number of wizards. <laughs> Obviously, we need more wizards, yes. But I think it, it, it's doing okay. Right? We need more soldiers. We need more shadow, you know, shadow coders, right? We need more and more. We need more execution. We need more devs. That's from what I see from my experience, right? We don't have enough talent. There is a saying like, Bitcoin is scarcer than the Bitcoin talent itself. So Bitcoin talent is scarcer than the Bitcoin itself, right? Which is, which is true, I believe. Uh, we need more talent. We need we need to more educate more on people. Uh, we need more educated education initiatives like Base Fifty Eight. Um, we need we need more devs. We need more talent because uh, they're just so the design space is so large. So many opportunities. So many things you can build on Bitcoin. In fact, other layer layer proposals maybe too, but we don't have I guess enough talent. We need more. Mm -hmm. So if, if you were to get up in front of all the the Bitcoin builders and kind of pitch them on how to acquire more Bitcoin talent? What, what is your, your, your pitch to people? How do we get more mm -hmm. 
developers building on Bitcoin. Yeah, I think incentives plays a role in this, right? Incentives and Bitcoin space, Bitcoin being a Bitcoin dev, it's not highly aligned with Ethereum. I mean, compared to Ethereum, right? Ethereum is, you know, because you can do a pre-mine shitcoin and all that and attract devs and attract and just, just dump on retail and be rich. And Bitcoin is not the case. It's you have, ethics has to be there. You have to be an ethical person to to build help. You have to do it for the cause and for self-fulfillment versus success, I think. Uh, and it's really hard to find like people fits into this category, these characteristics. I think it's more of a characteristic thing, but um, but you never know. I mean, we, we always, there, there, that's one thing, like it has to be like character ethics fundamentals has to be there for Bitcoin or dev, like Bitcoin or Bitcoin for Bitcoin or talent, but also you really need to, to reach out these people like with that characteristics, right? Characteristics as in like lowering their time preference, um, you know, in being more in favor of fulfillment versus success and doing it for the cow of Bitcoin. Um, and like, you can, you can reach out to these people, like people in line with these characteristics. We have to be able to reach out to them and be able to educate them, which is mm-hmm. the second thing, right? We have to educate them to convert them to a Bitcoin talent. And it takes time. So there is a bit of a learning curve, right? We need to educate more. We have to educate them some magical way. And that's what I like educational initiatives like Bitcoin Summer and, you know, Base58 and, you know, Brings Plus, all that. Uh, we need more of these and we also be able to reach out more. I love it. Um, okay, let's finish this off with a quick rapid fire round. I do this at the end of every show. It's called the lightning round. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Stackwork. Stackwork is a lightning-powered platform for generating high-quality transcripts of all your audio or video content. They combine AI engines and hundreds of human workers all over the world who are paid over the Lightning Network to assemble these transcripts. And that's what lets Stackwork create better, faster, and less expensive transcripts. To see the results for yourself, you can check out my personal website where I host transcripts for all my podcast episodes. If you want to learn more about Stackwork, visit stackwork.com. That is S-T-A-K work.com. Okay, if you could only hold one asset for the next decade and it could not be Bitcoin, what asset would it be? Uh, olive oil, maybe? Yeah, Olive I mean, oil. Yeah, I don't know. It's an asset. It's not an asset, but I don't know, like maybe features. Like- Does olive oil last a decade? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. I don't know. Like it's the ultimate reserve currency, you know? Maybe yeah. it's all of trees or an olive farm or something? Yeah, it could be something like that. Yeah, maybe oil farm, I don't know. Like uh, like I don't know, some I don't know, some industry or some company the olive oil industry or something. I don't know. It feels like the ultimate reserve currency if Bitcoin never shifts, right? Bitcoin never happened. I don't know. What makes you say it's the ultimate reserve currency? I'm curious now. I don't know, like it's because like it's not seed oil and it's it's great. It's 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 just great, right? That's the only sort of liquid form of non-seed oil option we have now, and and we need olive oil, right, for for for, for the food industry and all that, uh, and it's very healthy too. Like, um, I don't know. That's all Fair I think. enough. Okay, has there been any book that has meaningfully changed your view of the world? Oh. I'm not quite a reader, guys. I'm sorry. Like, really, I don't really read. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't remember the last book I read. I think it's from years ago. Um, I, I really don't. I also don't really listen to podcasts either. I don't know what do I do. What is your mechanism for 
coming up with new ideas for how the world works? Because you seem to have many of them. I think I feel like things are revealed to me. I don't know. I think my crown chakra is too blown up and I'm not sure. I feel like things are revealed to me over time. I don't I don't put put like put an effort to it. Like just naturally happens. Interesting. Um, who is one person in the Bitcoin or Lightning community that you'd like to give a shout out to for doing great work? Yeah, that's a very tough one. I think in the Lightning world. Or in Bitcoin in general. I mean, I love Andrew Postra himself. I love him. I admire him, his work. You know, he, I, I love him, his, his work on simplicity, contributions, Miniscript, and, you know, Liquid in general. I admire him a lot. Very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, just before you go, um, where can listeners go to learn more about you and yeah. ARC? Yeah. So, guys, um, we have a website, arcappeal.me, and we have a Telegram community group, ARC community. Feel free to go check out, guys. Um, you can find the links for Telegram group on arcappeal.me uh, page. Um, feel free to reach out, guys, me if you want. If you have any questions, or if, obviously, feel free to ask on the, te- the community group. Um, and, um, I mean, also don't hesitate, obviously, to me, to reach out me personally. Um, and I'm also on Twitter, Bitcoin. I mean, my name is Burak, B-U-R-A-K, uh, the guy with the burger eating bug in the picture. Um, cool. So you really reach my, I mean, Burak is like a pseudonym, right? It's easy. My first name, but it's also a pseudonym, kind of. So, yeah. Yeah. Feel free to find me on Twitter, guys. My name is Burak. My awesome. handle is B-R-Q-G-O. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I learned a ton and I'm sure listeners will as well. And I hope we can do this again soon. Yeah, cool, man. Thank you for taking me, really. Um, thank you for taking time and I appreciate, re- appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thank you for reaching out uh, and having me on the show. Of course. In the last 30 days, you guys sent in 35,818 sats and I came in from 38 different supporters. Big shout out to everyone who's been contributing. I keep on seeing new messages from new users So thank you for everyone who's been sending in sats and kind words. Let's run through a couple of the latest comments. We have heart, heart, heart emoji on episode 108 with Maxim Orlovsky. We have a, wow, this episode is just so good. Maxim is such an ambitious genius. Wish him the best of luck. Good questions asked and overall very kind conversation. That was an anonymous user on episode 108. Once again, um, Michael Machulef had a uh, emoji where the guy is kind of scratching his chin, kind of curious, uh, sent 500 sats. Siggy47 said, great episode on stacking sats five. That's with Jesse Berger. Uh, we have Blockchain Boog who said, I have a better understanding of RGB, but still don't understand it 100%. Is RGB the new age Linux? I will leave that to Maxim to respond, um, but thank you for the 5,000 sats and uh, appreciate the comment. BTC Rich said, my favorite podcast you have done all year, very thought provoking. And this again was on episode 108 with Maxim Orlovsky. Swiss Road to Crypto said, nice one, Kevin, again on the same episode. Uh, thank you all for sending in sats and comments. Got a few more episodes lined up for you this week. Cannot wait to see what you guys send in.